This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, we are joined by club legend Paddy McCarthy for a, a, a surprise interview. Hi, Paddy. How you doing? You okay, lads? Great, cheers, mate. Thank you for joining us, and we're going to get straight into it, talking about your, it's basically going to take a little journey through your, your early career, uh, your time at Palace, and then what's what the future holds for you, with a few little facts thrown in here and there by Terence as well, which should be fun. Oh, brilliant. Look forward to it. <laughs> you, could, you, sounded, you sounded slightly depressed by that initially, there. <laughs> no, not depressed, just scared. Just a little bit scared. I don't <laughs> facts. I so don't little- past. So, uh, I mean, before before we get going into into terms of how you sort of got into football, well, who who did you support growing up? Who were your heroes? I was a I was a Liverpool fan um, growing up, mainly because my mum um, supported Liverpool um, back through the eighties and stuff. So I was kind of around the time of the Spice Boys and McManaman, Robbie Fowler, Jamie Redknapp and Phil Barb and all of them sort of players, John Barnes, they were kind of, who were, I grew up supporting. Um, so I remember once when Eric Cantona scored that goal in the FA Cup final and I think it must have been about 12 at the time. So I remember shedding a, shedding a couple of tears on FA Cup final day. So I'm sure a couple of you can relate to me from uh, last May as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm still not over that. We don't we don't like to talk about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't no, think we've no, no, I don't think we've mentioned it. Was it was hard to take. It was hard to take. It was hard to take. Sorry for bringing it up. But, uh, right. No, <laughs> crap on. All right, mate. Um, so yeah, interesting. I've heard the words Phil Bab for quite some time. That's. Ireland and Liverpool legend. Exactly. Exactly. It's just. It's think, a great. I moment. think you still see him when he. I think you still see him on Sky when he crashes into the post and um. I don't think he's had any kids after that incident, if you remember it. <laughs> in the, into the post after, yeah, trying to defend, so putting his body on the line, literally. Paddy, um, could you see yourself wearing that white suit that Liverpool wore to the final? Oh, I, I could see myself wearing it, but probably not pulling it off, to be fair. <laughs> Definitely not pulling it off as good as um, Jamie Redknapp did, probably the only one who got away with it on the day. Um, but no, it was a shocker, wasn't it? It was indeed. Am I right in uh, am I right in saying that you you come from well certainly a couple of 
uh, members of your family are sort of involved in football. I think is it your is it your uncle or something like that? I'm sure someone Peter Ramage told us that. Yeah, yeah. My uncle, my uncle Sean, played um, League of Ireland football for Shamrock Rovers and Drogheda, um, Bray Wanderers, and a couple of other teams. Um, so, right from an early age, I used to get brought along to the games and. Um, he used to give me give me lots of advice and still does to this day even though I'm a 33 year old married man with two kids he still <laughs> tells me how to how to run my life but no he's been, he was great and always somebody I, I really looked up to um right from an early age so um still have a fantastic relationship with him now so yeah he was probably my my idol growing up and my inspiration to to kind of become a footballer so Fantastic. So, how did how did that sort of go go from sort of there to, to you joining the sort of ranks of Man City, their youth team? Just um, playing local football and um, doing well for a local team, moving to a bit more of a higher profile team in Dublin. Um, then getting scouted to play for what would be, be the equivalent of the district. Um, so, getting scouted to play for Dublin, and then from there getting scouted to play for Ireland under 14s. Um, and just going back and forth to, to England on kind of what we're, we're seeing as like trials, different clubs like um, West Ham was the first one at the age of 12 and other clubs like Arsenal and um, Tramere, Notts Forest, loads of different places. And I just kind of, when I moved to, went to Man City, I got a really good feel for that and ended up eventually signing for them at the age of 14 and moving from home at the age of 16. So. Um, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the of my journey in in, in the game of football. Um, Peter Ramage, who we've had on a few times, has talked to us about when he was a youth team player, scoring sixty three goals a season. Were you always a centre back, or did you dabble up front like Rambo? Well, I can't imagine Peter Ramage ever scoring six goals, <laughs> let alone sixty three goals. To be honest with you, but um, it must have been a shocking league he played in when he was a kid. That's a, that's a fact. <laughs> and definitely, I used to play. Um, yeah, I used to be a bit of a utility man, and I think I've, I've played up front for a, for my school team a few times. But any kind of serious games, I was always a um, defender. I always, I always enjoyed the art of defending. And probably going back to my uncle, he was a defender, and um, I loved the game. I loved tackling. I loved the kind of the feeling of um, putting my body on the line and, and kind of. I prefer to kind of make that last dish tackle than score a goal. I always got a better feeling from doing something like right the way throughout my career. So, yeah, if, if Rambo scored 63 goals, fair play to him. I'll question him on that later on. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, so, you, I mean, you didn't make a, a league appearance for Man City, but you went out on a, a couple of loans. I believe you got a question about that, Terence. Yeah. So, do you remember much about your league debut, Paddy? Oh, I'm sure yeah, I do, and uh, Damien Delaney here yeah, as well. I mean, I had an absolute shocker of a start of my career, and I think only my uh, my mental strength. Otherwise, I would have probably given up football that day. Um, <laughs> what happened? What happened was I was at Man City and playing playing quite well in the reserves and captain in the reserve team, and my missus was pregnant with my with our first child. I, I was 19. And um, Kevin Keegan pulled me into the office and said, um, "said I've had an inquiry about you going alone." And I says, "Oh, yeah, good. I'd like to get out and get some games." He says, um, "I said, where is it?" He says, "Oh, Boston." And I've said, "No, nah, no chance. I'm not going to America, Gaffer." He started laughing. <laughs> it's in Link. It's in Lincolnshire. Oh, I said, "All oh, right. I've never heard of Boston United in Lincolnshire." So 
off I went in my car and um, trained with the lads. And I mean, it was literally on a park, public park, and no training kit. So I was training in like um, copper bottoms with the with the buttons up the side and a jumper with paint stains all over it. An old Boston United top, and I thought, what on earth is going on here? So we played against Hull City, a team featuring Damien Delaney, a young Damien Delaney, the next day, and um, I got sent off. Um, on my debut, so two, two yellow cards. So started my my uh, league career with sending off against Hull. Um, the following week, it was back in the old days where you 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 can play the next game before your suspension starts. So the following the following week after that, I played they played me again, sent a half, and I got dragged off at half time. So I thought, here we go. What's going to go? What's happening from here? I'm right at the bottom of the football pyramid. One sending off, one. One shepherd's hook at half time, and um, I thought that was me lowing up. So um, it wasn't the greatest start to a football career I've ever heard of, but um, I, I learned a lot from it and, and bounced back and, and showed a, a real kind of looking back now, real resilience and, and strength of character to not let something like that really, really affect me. Oh, so has da- Damien not reminded you that he scored the goal in that game, the winning goal? In your debut? Oh, he, remind, he reminds me all the time. He reminds me about the sending <laughs> off all the time. He reminds, he, he reminds me about it all the time. So I, he had a he had a fantastic career. I mean, he's um, he, when if you can imagine, he's he's been there at Hull and come all the way up to to be still now playing at the Premier League. Uh, I think he's about forty six now, is he? <laughs> so he's, doing, <laughs> he's doing he's doing well, really well. Damien, he's a fantastic lad, and I'm I'm delighted for him. It's just um, he does always remind me and take the piss out of how, how, how my football career started. So there you go. Yeah, but you know, after the suspension, you did all right. Um, Boston only conceded five goals in the ten games you played with um, six clean sheets. That's not bad going. So you turned them around. Yeah, definitely. No, I did. And like I said, that was a real kind of test of character for me because um, my loan after I had a three-game suspension, and that was the whole month loan finished. So I went to see the manager and he says, look, I've seen enough um, in the two games you've played and the and the training sessions and you as a as a lad. And I thought, he must be blind, this fella, but um, he wanted to keep me for for three months. Um, so for me, it would have been really an easy option for me to say, Do you know, I'll sack this off. I'm going to head back over here now to, to the kind of comfort zone of, of Manchester City, big club where everything's laid on a plate to you. Um, or... Was I going to stand up to the challenge and go back and, and kind of fight to get back into the Boston side and, and really kind of prove myself in league football? And I chose the latter, thank God, and uh, went back and got back in after my suspension. And like you said, done, done quite well. And they, um, they, they offered me a contract, but again, I didn't fancy moving to America, so I, I went back to Man City. <laughs> Excuse me. But you um obviously you went to to Notts County the I think it was the year after, but then got your move to to Leicester where I think it's fair to say you were a, a huge hit uh, there and uh, got the captaincy at, at twenty three. What was what was your experience of, of playing at Leicester like? Um, I was it was it was a great club. I mean, I was at Man City. Really wanted to go and play first team football and um, was travelling kind of in the squad. And I thought at the age of twenty one, I should really be a regular, but. Being a squad player was easy for me at that at that time, and um, eventually Leicester came in and they agreed a fee. And when I went there, I mean it was a great club. There was a lot of young players being brought in, so 
um, my wife and, and all the rest of the, the, the kind of girls really clicked together and um, a lot of young kind of young kids as well from a little boy to knock about with. and it was a real real good family club so um, enjoyed every last minute of that and again being given that captain arm the captain's armband at such a young age was, was a massive honour for me and something that I really enjoyed doing Absolutely and uh, can you quite believe what happened with them last season? No, definitely not. I mean, it was um, I, everybody kept thinking the bubble was going to burst, didn't they? I, I mean, and probably I was one of them around the Christmas time. But the, the longer the season went on, you kind of get that little bit of belief. But listen, all all credit has to go, I think, to the to the manager because I say to everybody, I mean, he, it would have been easy for him to come in and change change everything just and let his ego get in the way of what was a what was kind of a, a team that had momentum at the time when he took over. Um, but he didn't. He came and he seen that, that everything was going well, and he he didn't touch a thing really, and just let it let it roll on and roll on. And um, now all credit, to, it's great to see a good bunch of hungry players um, winning a, winning one of the most competitive leagues in in the in the world. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they get on this year with juggling the the Premier League and, and Champions League football as, as well. I mean, it's it's going to be a difficult season for them, I feel, this year, but. Um, one that hopefully they'll um, they'll stand up to and do well in both competitions again. Um, so during your time at Leicester, it might be said that you always had Palace in your blood. You scored a goal against Brighton. There you are. Yeah, I think a, a goal that kind of helped them uh, help help relegate Brighton. That was at the <laughs> old um, the Whitbean Stadium. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I was in a real bad way. That there was a bit of a sickness bug bug going around the Leicester squad at that time and. Um, I was I was struggling, and my missus was struggling, and even my little boy was struggling with this sickness bug. Um, so we we flew. I had to fly my mother-in-law over to um, kind of keep an eye on my missus and kid. And I was still feeling a little bit ill. But I thought I'll travel separate to the team and um, see if I can stay in a room of my own and just stay away and try and be ready for the game on the Saturday. So we were the squad was kind of in a little bit of a bad way and it was a kind of must-win game for us because ourselves and Brighton needed the points to kind of to stay in the league. So, um, yeah, before the game, there was people vomiting all over the place. I vomited on my boots when I was leading the team out onto the, in the tunnel. It was it was just mad stuff. And then eventually I, um, I scored a goal. I think we won that game. Was it 2-1 or 3-1 maybe? Yeah, 2-1. Um, 2-1, yeah. Um, and um, I think Brighton got relegated that season. So, uh, yeah, definitely had a bit of palace in my blood somewhere along the line. So, um, no, it was uh, always nice to get one over on Brighton, even in them early days when I didn't know I was going to end up at Crystal Palace. Happy days. Uh, presumably what happened next is you lost a bet of some sort and ended up at Charlton for a year. Oh, there you are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was exactly it. That was exactly it. So, yeah, we... Um, I, I, um, I actually wanted to stay at... Um, I wanted to stay at Leicester and never really fancied moving to to um to London and just couldn't um agree terms um with Leicester over a new contract and looking back at it now when I'm a little bit more um long and too I think Leicester obviously got a got a bid that they, they deemed acceptable from from um Charlton um and didn't really wanna push the boat out to keep me there and I felt as captain I should I never wanted um, top dollar, but I felt I should be up up around where the kind of the the higher earners of the squad was because I, I kind of 
I'd worked hard and I wasn't I was a young kid who came in on not not massive contract and I just wanted to be rewarded for that and they said they wanted to keep me but never really um never really offered me something that was, was anywhere near acceptable really and um I went and had a had a chat with, with Alan Pardew, uh, who was manager at the time at Charlton and um went had a look around the stadium and he was putting together a decent squad in the championship at the time I felt we had a chance to get promoted to the Premier League so um something I agreed to um after after coming down to London and having a look around. So yeah that's how I ended up down there. It was Alan Pardew who um who signed me down there as well. So there's a kind of another palace link along the way. Absolutely obviously we came and rescued you a, a year after that. Uh Neil Warnock <laughs> in charge at the time. Uh, so your your yeah, first yeah. year at go on, your first year at Palace was 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 pretty eventful. There's a load of stuff I want to ask you about that. But first of all, uh, you know how was your first meeting with uh, with Neil Warnock? Well, it was a bit it was a bit strange because I was in the um, I'd had a meeting with um, with, with Alan Pardew at Charlton and um, two weeks before, just as the season ended, which is kind of normal for a player. You you have a meeting with with the manager, and we had a meeting, and Alan said Okay, I'm delighted with how you've been, and um, you've done really well, and um, you've big part to play here next year. So I was like, oh, like, fair enough, and that was fine. I went away on holiday, and then one Friday evening during the summer summer break, um, my phone rang, and it was um, it was a conversation. Hello, Paddy, it's uh, Neil Warnock here. Will you come down and meet me at Crystal Palace training ground? And I was like, no, why would I? <laughs> he said, uh, he says, oh, because um, because uh, Charlton have just accepted an offer from us for to to take you to Crystal Palace, and I was I was like, well, it's the first I've heard about it, Mr. Warnock. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm let, until I hear from the club, I'll um I'll then have to go down and meet you because I think it'd be out of order for me to do that. So, um, eventually, I got confirmation from from Charlton and went and met him down at Copers Cope, and um, I mean, straight away, he just said, look, you love it here. We've got players like um. Like Clint Hill and Sean Berry and Matty Lawrence, Danny Butterfield and all of these lads that he felt would be a really good kind of match for me and I would fit in and um, he wanted to replace uh, Mark Hudson who, who went the other way on a free transfer so um, yeah it was, it was kind of an eventful first meeting but straight away when you when you, when you you meet him he bags of enthusiasm and um, loves the game and kind of um, I agreed kind of I think it was that day I, I agreed to go because I think any time a player, if a club accepts an offer from another club, I think that kind of tells you exactly where you stand, you know. So I've, I agreed to, to sign for Palace and never looked back. Really, found a kind of spiritual hope after that. So um, it was a, it was a great day for me, and I've got a story that will probably embarrass my um, my 13 year old boy now, who's now a um, devoted Crystal Palace fan. But um, at the time, he was fully kitted out in his Charlton gear. He was only, I think, he must have been. Um, five or six maybe at the time. Uh, so we had he was top head to toe in Charlton kit. Um, obviously because I was playing there and I um, rang home to the wife and says, "Oh, listen, it's it's all done. I've agreed to sign for Crystal Palace." And um, she said, "Oh, great! Congratulations! Are you happy?" I says, "I'm delighted." Yeah. So um, I got home and knocked on the door, came through the door, and I said, "Where's Keen, my boy?" And she said, um, "She says, oh, he's." Needn't be. He's upstairs. He's really upset. <laughs> I says, upset about what? He says, um, 
because he's signed for Crystal Palace, he supports Charlton. <laughs> so he was, he was upstairs. He wouldn't he wouldn't speak to me for about two days. I went out and got him a, a full Crystal Palace kit. So um, now I, I still take the take the Mickey out of him now about that. But he um, he, he says it never happened, but it definitely did, and he's more back me up on that. So he's now a um, a hardcore Crystal Palace fan. I'm sure he'd be down in the back of the goal and um, at the hometown fanatics in a few years' time. So we, we'll wait and see. That's not bad. Uh, so, oh, where to go? I, there's so many different things I want to talk to you about, but uh, I think, Terence, we have to go with the Derby goal, don't we, really, first? Oh, we certainly do. What were you thinking, Paddy? <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't really know, because I, I look back on it now, and it was, um, I mean, it was one hell of a strike. It was just one of them strikes where, you, as soon as it leaves your, your, your boot, you think, oh, that's travelling that. Um, I, I kind of... It was after a set piece, and I kind of made start making my way back, and um, I think Nick Carl passed it to me, and I um, got my head up to look for a pass, and there was nothing really on, so I took a touch inside one of their players, and again there was nothing on, but everybody seemed to be coming towards me, even my own players, and as I was running back, Pin Bildshell would shoot. So I just kind of thought, oh, Pin says it, let's go for it, and hit it, and I mean it was a fantastic strike, but. Um, again, I, I think it was just one of those things that every now and then you, you hit a ball sweet. And I remember the, the week after we played, I think we played somebody, maybe it was even on the Tuesday night at Selhurst, and I got the ball and um, took it inside again in a similar sort of position. And everybody shouted, shoo, like that. And I let, I let a shot, and I think it hit the corner flag at some of off. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a once-off. Let's go back and just kind of start heading football now for the rest of the game. So, um, no, it was it was a special special goal and made it even more special. But I think it was a great team performance that day um, against a strong strong derby side, and um, we, we won the game and took three points back down at the motorway. So it was um, all in all a good day for everybody and topped off with a, a little uh, goal of the season trophy that I received at the end of the year. So. Yeah, one that I still have have at this minute. So there you go. Yeah, that, no one was going to get that over that strike. I don't think it's just incredible. No, I think I think it, that that year it was um, that year it got voted in the um, in the top. I think it might have been the top ten or top something football league goals of the year. Um, and the, you had to vote on the winner and stuff. So I was in. The, I got got into the top ten. I think and. The, the actual winning goal was by Sylvan Ebanks Blake um, when against Charlton, and I was the defender who we um, who we nutmegged, dragged out of the way, and banged it into the top corner. So I got more stick. I got more stick about that one than I did actually praise about the goal of the season that I scored. But there you go. Never, never get, never get too ahead of yourself in this game. That's how they say. <laughs> So uh, that that season also uh, saw the emergence of a few sort of young players at Palace. Uh, Sean Scannell and Victor Moses sort of spring to mind, really. So uh, you know, how much of a particularly when when Warner brought Scannell into the team and he had he had quite a quite a strong impact. How uh, how sort of how good were they at that age, in, in your opinion? Yeah, very good. I mean, bags bags of potential, and um, I mean, Victor's now starting to get some game time at um, at Chelsea and. I mean, potential wise, you, you would have seen him play yourself. But I remember the first day training. Um, Scanlon had just come on the scene the year before I'd played, and Victor as well. And um, on that playoff room, when we when, um, got to the semi finals of the, the playoffs, and um, 
when I first day I trained, I thought you could definitely see that these kids had had a special talent and bags of potential. And I mean, Victor Moses was a was a fully grown man, man at the age of sixteen. Um, he um, he was just had all all the ability in the world. He was physically ready for 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 football and um, just you kind of just knew there was something special there and he had the ability to just turn the game on its head and Scannell was a little bit different and he was a bit more direct and um, a bit more kind of more pacey but Victor had that chop I mean that, that no defender could seem to figure out and he was a, he was a nightmare to play against in training and um, you could definitely see now he's at Chelsea and playing Champions League football and stuff like that and I mean, I, I think I read an article the other day. He's still only 26, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, which is which is amazing to think. But he's um, he, he was fantastic. I mean, it was a fantastic group of young kids, and everybody it gives everybody a buzz. Players, fans, um, obviously the ma- the manager bringing these this homegrown talent through. I mean, it just gives everybody that little bit of a lift. And these these lads came with kind of played with no fear. Bags of enthusiasm and, and a real love for for the football club, so it was um, it was great for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm surprised, Victor. I suppose he had, he's had a few injuries to, to deal with as well. I'm surprised he hasn't sort of you know set set the world alight a little bit quicker. But like you say, he's getting some some games for Chelsea now. Uh, for you, for yourself, um, I, I, I remember this vividly. We were we were sort of we had we had really good spells uh, that season, but. You, Every every now and then you'd have to sort of be out of the team for a few games with a shoulder injury, and it's it unsettled us at the back. Uh, that was sort of a recurring thing. Did they end up sort of super gluing it in? Yeah, I think they they took some bone. I mean, I I had kind of three three four separate operations. It was it's just a nightmare. Every time I kind of seemed to get a good run of games and the team was doing well, I'd, I'd do something with my shoulder would pop out and. Um, then I'd go and try and play as long as I could without kind of having an operation. Then I'd be forced into having it operated on because it kept popping out. And um, then the operation that was supposed to be successful didn't kind of didn't do the job. And I'd have another tackle and train, and it just never seemed to heal. And eventually, I had a had a kind of operation. I think it was just before or just after before or after we went into administration. And um, that seemed to be the trick. But yeah, it was it was causing me a real kind of nightmare. This left shoulder. Um, eventually, had to have four operations on it, but got it fixed in the end. And um, and, and um, thank God we got back just for in time for the last kind of few games of, of that administrative season when we when we really needed bodies because we were a little bit light on, on numbers. Absolutely. Well, like you like you say, you mentioned the administration that sort of started in the next year. So in, in the lead up to that, did. The players have any sort of suspicions that things weren't quite right behind the scenes? Yeah, not not particularly. I mean, the the, the club you could kind of tell that we were always on the on the brink of doing something special with the squad, and then and just as as we were we were kind of um, nearly nearly there, and we just needed maybe one or two bodies in to kind of get us get us up or in and around the kind of playoff positions. That kind of investment never really happened. Um, so you, you get a little kind of sense that the club really is isn't going to be throwing money at it, but you don't kind of see kind of administration. You don't kind of look out for them sort of things. You just get on with what you, your job and what you can affect. Certainly, certainly we knew we weren't um, weren't rich and we weren't kind of throwing money about. But administration was probably the last thing that we all thought. 
Mm. When we did go into administration, um, one of my favourite ever Palace games came out of that, which was when we won three one at Watford, and particularly remembering um, you and Matty Lawrence blocking a shot and then jumping up and hugging each other and roaring. What are your memories of that game? Oh, the the, the mad, do you know what? It's mad because I walk around everywhere now, and if any if I speak to anybody about football, they all seem to remember that moment. Anybody who was at that game, will say, oh. I really like that man, that man hug with you and Matty Lawrence. But I mean that, yeah, that game. I, I think I'd, I'd made my um, comeback game against Cardiff on the Saturday. Um, again, the squad was down to kind of the bare bones. Um, we we got beat by Cardiff, um, and it was a real kind of crucial game away at Watford. We I think we won. Did we win two nil? Or was it? Have you got it there in front of you? It might have been. Was it two nil? We won or two one maybe. Three one. Three one. Sorry. Three one, yeah, but it was just a, a real kind of gutsy performance. Um bodies on the line, muddy muddy pitch and I don't know, it was just, just a bit of a moment me and Matty had and something that we still kinda of laugh about now when we see each other. It was a bit of bit of love for what we both represented. We were both kinda of, everybody was throwing their bodies on the line for the cause and just that block we, we were kinda of desperate to win win a game of football and knew that we kinda of needed to win so Maybe a little bit of relief that the ball didn't go in, a little bit of um, solidarity and just kind of G everybody up. So it was a little bit off the cuff, well, certainly off the cuff and something that wasn't premeditated or by any means, but just sort, sort of happened, to be honest, and something that, like I said, a lot of people loved at the time and a lot of people still speak to me about it to this day, which is, which is fantastic. It was a good moment, just a shame that, well, just maybe not a shame, just probably a relief that nobody got a, got a proper picture of it at the time because it would have, uh, probably <laughs> wife wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Cardiff game before that was actually when um, Wilfred Zaha made his debut as well, all those years ago. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, there you are. I know you, I actually thought Wilfred's debut was the season after against Leicester when he scored. Did that was his full debut, yeah. Like, yeah, he got about 10, 10 minutes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the yeah, Cardiff game. I remember, I remember um, hearing about Wilfred. Uh, Victor Moses was obviously um, in and around him and was kind of seen as the, the most special talent ever to come out of um, our Crystal Palace. And Nick Jones, I had a conversation. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When Mick Jones and Mick Jones, um, Neil Warnock's assistant manager said, You think Victor Moses is good, you wait and you see this kid, Zaha, who's in the, in the academy at the minute. This kid is special. 
I'll never forget the conversation. I said, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And then Wilford came up and bright-eyed and bags of enthusiasm. And straight away, you kind of see, you can see that this kid is definitely special. And I, I can't remember that. Um, I can't remember that him actually coming on against Cardiff, probably because I was blown out of my arse because I'd been out for four months before that game. But... Um, <laughs> I was in, I was in I was in survival mode. I can remember him definitely against Leicester, but not against Kevin, to be honest. Yeah, like I say it was a little cameo right at the end. I remember he came on as a came on as a striker. Uh, going back to the, the admin stuff, obviously it culminated in, a, in an iconic moment that we'll talk about in a minute. But um, obviously it also cost us a manager after the after the cup run sort of came to an end. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, ill feeling from the sort of the, the support at the time around the fact that he went to QPR. And maybe some of the players got, you know, got their heads turned by his move over there and all that sort of stuff. And how long it all went on? How unsettling was that for the for the team to lose Neil Warnock at that time? Yeah, it was uh, obviously unsettling to lose the, the leader, the, the manager of the team, and we lost we lost Jose Fonte, I think, for Southampton, which was a League One club at the time. Uh, we lost, lost Victor Moses, I think, went to Wigan, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, he, he went to Wigan, which at the time you kind of feel that there's no way we should be selling such a special talent to a club like Wigan. He, he should be going somewhere to one of the top four teams. He was that good at the time. and It was just everything was just getting thrown out. As players were leaving the building, players were getting injured, the manager leaves, um, you're not getting paid. Uh, I remember Ryan Smith had to ring in because he couldn't afford petrol money for his for the journey in because wow. he wasn't getting paid any money. Kids, were, the young lads were coming to see um, to speak to me for advice because they couldn't afford to pay their rent, and it was just um, it was just crazy times at the club. And I look back on that and I think you know it just says a lot about that group of players because we could have easily um, down until we had ten points to duck and we weren't getting paid and. Uh, manager gone, and I don't think anybody would have really blamed the players um, if we got relegated. Um, but yeah, as a group, we, that was never going to happen. We we had too many strong characters in there, too many people who really mattered. To, um, knew how much it mattered to, to everybody at the football club, and I think that whole administration probably galvanised the club a little bit at a time when it needed to brought everybody together, and that that group of players. Um, really, really gave everything to make sure that that, that, that the club didn't get relegated. Um, I remember after the, the obviously the Sheffield Wednesday game, seeing characters like Alan Lee and Sean Derry with tears in their eyes, which is tough, tough, solid men, you know. And that was kind of the emotional effect that we all we all felt attached to the situation. And it was there's not many teams looking back in the history that have been deducted 10 points and gone through administration in the season that have staying up and it's something that to be part of that group it brings a real sense of pride to myself yeah absolutely like you say I think the nucleus of that squad the way that, you know, and, and the attitude it gave both the, you know, the players and the fans as well that's what kind of pushed us on I think and, and you know, took us to, to where we are now uh, very conscious of the time, Paddy, uh, but we'll we'll keep going for a little bit. But as soon as you need to stop, let us know. No we might have to get you back on for the rest. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, but right, mate. So, uh, yeah. So next season, obviously, you, you had Hart and Hart and Friedman was the sort of combination at Hillsborough. Let's talk a little bit bit more about Hillsborough. Actually, I think Terence probably kill me if I don't. Uh, that game, 
that game, but I mean, for for the the moment for you was was the celebration when you saw you headed out for the corner. Sort of like they, you yeah. know, obviously mine was focused on this defend this corner. And almost it was almost shock that the whistle had actually gone. But uh, what was that? What was that yeah. moment like? Oh, unbelievable! Um, unbelievable feeling. I mean, I think Jules is moaning at me because he says he he called for it, but I couldn't hear a thing. Um, I've sacked the hairdresser as well, by the way. My God, his barnet was absolutely shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the hairdresser's been sacked. Everybody be pleased for now. But um, yeah, just a just a fantastic relief um, feeling of being kind of emotionally drained. Um, a feeling of just pride and, and something that I think I, I know I speak to a lot of people who have achieved so much in the game that played in that game and players have, have achieved promotions and stuff like that and they still still say that that, that kind of day was one of the best in their career and one of the most satisfying just because like I said all everything that was thrown at that group of players and when that whistle blew and, and to know that stayed up and again one of the games that one of the types of games that I love playing in that kind of body on the line um, last pitch defending them sort of I really really like playing in it was one of them at the end and I know everybody was cursing I think it was a Stern John who didn't square it and then yeah. trickled across the line and hit the post and they had everybody up in our box for the last five minutes so when that whistle blew it was just a such a, a sense of relief and such an emotional feeling like I said before there was proper hardened football players, good solid men, um, in tears in the in the changing room afterwards, and it was just a, a great great moment that that will live long in my memory and something that I will never forget. I mean, a little bit disappointing afterwards. Well, not a little bit. It was it was wholly dis- disappointing that the Sheffield Wednesday fans thought they'd come on and kind of ruin us, so we didn't get a chance to properly celebrate the the kind of staying up with the fans who were fantastic from the minute we came out to, to warm up it was just an unbelievable atmosphere um, but yeah just that, that when that whistle blew it was just just this pure sense of, of relief and, 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 and delight I think we still obviously got some some iconic sort of scenes if you like from that, that pitch invasion at the end of Clint Hill shirtless fighting his way through Sheffield Wednesday oh, fans and that yeah. kind of stuff it was yeah well, I can appreciate it, yeah. it's a shame but it was for, for us obviously we still had that. We still had those. It was weird, but it was it was still amazing just to watch. It was yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. I watched it. I watched the video back and the videos back and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it was dangerous. I, I think Desert was doing an interview and he had to get dragged in, and it was yeah. just it was just carnage. And uh, we did get back in and celebrate as a group. We had the music on, and um, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Paul Hart came into the changing room and shook everybody's hand individually and then that was kind of the last we've seen of him after the game and he he obviously deserves a lot of credit for what he'd done he came in when the club was really in, in, in need of somebody to steer it in the direction and obviously Dougie Freeman who, who played a massive part as well as as, um, as everybody knows both of them deserve so much credit for, for what they've done and they kept the lads spirits high and gave us a game plan and, and deserve so much credit like I said yeah, no, I was so happy I bumped into Paul Hart at a Cray Wanderers game about uh, probably about it must be about a year later actually got to shake his hand and say thank you which was nice but uh, like you say deserves yeah. so much credit for that um, yeah so look, 
Now, so for the for the next season, obviously George Burley took over for a while. Didn't really work out uh, before Dougie took over. But I mean, from from the players' point of view, how was was playing under George? Yeah, look, George was a was a fantastic man, and I mean, he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing right from the start. He um, he had such a tough job. And the club had just come out of administration. He had no players. He'd lost a lot of lot of big characters from our squad um, that that needed to be replaced and it was going to be a tough job for anybody to take over. George was a fantastic man and um, wanted to play the, the game in the right in the right way but just didn't really work out for me. He probably um, struggled to recruit the, the right players and at times you were you were resorted to playing a, a lot of lot of kids in certain games that at the time yeah, they deserve to be in and around the squad, but not playing week in, week out in, in, in a tough league that is the championship. So it was always going to be tough for George. And like I said, I've got nothing but admiration for the man. He's a fantastic, fantastic man. Um, always had time for everybody who, like I said, had a great idea of how the, how the game of football should be played. But it just wasn't wasn't to be for him. It didn't work out. And um, that sometimes happens in football. Sorry. What's quite in- sorry, Chris. What's quite interesting is during the time that um, just before he got uh, sacked and the when Dougie came in during that time we kept eight clean sheets in a row at home, uh, which is a club record. Um, were you aware of this when it happened? Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, we, we we did work a lot on on kind of he tried everything. He tried absolutely everything, and like most managers do, and like most people who love the game and and really want to succeed. <clears throat> He tried everything, and defensively, like we, we, like you said, there we were solid enough, but it just wasn't enough to get us the, enough points to take us up the league, and um, accumulated in in uh, I think it was a three-one hammer or three-nil hammer uh, away at um, Millwall, which was a terrible performance. I think we drew one-one the game before um, away at Bristol City. They scored in the last minute or, or so, and which was a real sucker punch, and then he went and lost against. Um, against Millwall on New Year's Day, which the performance just wasn't good enough whatsoever. Um, and George, as, as a manager, he took the brunt of it and, and got sacked. And we were all, we were all devastated. We, we didn't know about it until we were on the, on the bus on the way home. And um, it came across on Sky Sports that he'd been, he'd been sacked. So it was quite a, a bizarre kind of chain of events. And um, so, something that... I was good for him. I went and shook his hand and thanked him for everything and wished him all the best for the future. And look, like I said, sometimes things just don't work out in football. And George certainly had a had a tough kind of start to life as Crystal Palace manager. Um, he needed to do a lot of work, and it just didn't work out for him. And that's the way way it goes. And Dougie took over, and the rest is history, as, as they say. Um, talking about sorry, Chris. Talking about former players um, scoring goals. Did Jason Punchin ever mention that hat trick? Oh, a lot, yeah. I, I used to take the piss out of him. I used to say, when you, when you see his thing, it's, uh, he's one of our own. I say, you got fucking a manager sack that I played on that one of our own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think many people have seen that four years ago. But no, I, we, we, we laugh and we laugh about it all the time. Look, look at Punches, is a great lad. and um, It's something that we, we kind of, although it's never nice when somebody loses that job, you kind of, you move on from it and it's um, something that we can have a little laugh about now that punch called the RSL of all of us that day and, and got one of our managers sacked but 
he's now, like you say, one of our own and um, and he's doing really well for the football club. So you can't uh, hold it against him that he, he scored three goals from Millwall. Although you did hold it against me that I played a couple of games for Charlton, but. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Just right now. I'm over it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the next the next season, uh, obviously, uh, other Dougies sort of first four season. Okay, were, were you know didn't did light up the league if you like, but the League Cup run, uh, beating Man United and that kind of stuff. That must have been a sort of a special time to be a to be a Palace player as well. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, Dougie Dougie took over. Um, after George, I think his first game away was swung, was it Preston? No, Preston at home, and he just kind of galvanised everybody. He played Preston at home, which was a, a kind of relegation dogfight against a Neil put sort of six pointer at Selhurst, and he brought he brought Stephen Everson in. Um, I think he scored in that game, and we won one nil. And before the game, Dougie just Dougie knew what what the football club kind of meant to everybody. He knew, yeah, he had a great idea how how the game should be played and wanted to kind of have an exciting brand but also be defensively solid and when he brought Stefan in before before that game he, he relaxed everybody after the Millwall team he'd done a great meeting um, prepared us really well tactically and one thing he said was that after this game win, lose or draw I'll meet us all in the centre circle after the game and we'll, we'll applaud the fans and um and we'll do it right, win, lose, or draw. We all take it on the chin, win, lose, or draw. Um, we're together as, as a as a unit. We're together as staff and players and supporters. And he kind of galvanised everybody. He was a club legend and some, a real knowledgeable man and somebody who I really, really enjoyed working with and somebody who, who the club um, loved as well. And yeah, it was, it was uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic man, Dougie, and, and, and a lot to thank for him. Um, he put David Wright in defensive midfield. Was that a surprise, or did you guys think that he could play that position? Um, I think Dave, David played there a bit for for Wigan, um, but obviously he came to Crystal Palace as, as a fullback. Um, you, you never really kind of kind of seen him as a as a holding midfielder at Crystal Palace, but it was a bit of a stroke of genius because he done so well um, in that position, defensive responsibility kept it simple, filled holes where needed and um he done really well in there, David Roy. He was a great lad, still still in contact with him now and somebody who who really gave everything day in, day out, great professional. Um but yeah, Dougie seen seen that in him and made a decision to stick him in there and, and it worked out for us. Uh-huh. Uh, we had the uh, the pleasure of chatting with Dougie for about it was a good hour and a half at the end of last season, sort of like the first time I think anyone had really sort of spoken to him at length about not just his career at Palace, but you know the, the fact that he left the club, which was obviously the following season. Um, and it was also that that season. Actually, there was one highlight just before I go on to that. Obviously, was the signing of Peter Ramage. I mean, how much did that that mean, make you know? How much did that mean to you to, to finally be able to play alongside Peter Ramage? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> as he said that, to t- as he told you to say that. To me. <laughs> no, he's, he's been on a few times as Rambo, so we thought we'd get I'll get that one in there. Yeah. No, I think I think did Rambo. I think he signed, didn't he? Did he sign the it's loan? Alone, I think first. But... Yeah, alone from QPR. Um, but look, at it, that was the that was the key to what Dougie done. Dougie Dougie recruited not only good players but but top people. Um, he made sure he done he done due diligence on everybody, 
um, nobody was brought in just on on the recommendation without without really the character being being put through the through the, the test them to see whether they would fit into the group. If you didn't fit into the group and buy into what we were trying to achieve, then you were on your ear and you were out the door. And Peter Ramage was somebody who certainly came in and bought into it, and somebody who the lads all all loved and respected. And yeah, I mean, he, he certainly is. Um, Certainly, has a bit, played a big part in the in the success of the football club. I think in, in the promotion season, he played something like forty odd games and done unbelievably well. So, yeah, Rambo's a, a great lad and somebody who, I, like I said, I'm doing my coaching badges with him at the minute and um, still keeping co- in regular contact with him. And I've, I've enjoyed a, a, a nice few beers with him over the years as well. <laughs> uh, top fella, top fella he is. Um, so obviously, yeah, D- Dougie leaving again, sort of a similar. Was it a similar impact to when when Warnock left? Um, but different different circumstances, different circumstances, and obviously there was a bit of speculation leading up to it. But we never thought in a million years that he was gonna he was gonna leave because we knew obviously how much the club meant to him. We knew he was he was on the on the brink of doing something special, and I think he he knew that as well. Um, so it was a massive surprise for us when he actually did leave because we were sitting second in the league and it was um, it was a it was a massive surprise to us that the team was was doing so well and he had worked his socks off to put together a team and to to build an identity for the team that that we've seen over the years do so well and like I said he deserves so much credit but it was definitely a surprise that he did leave in the end. Yeah, so obviously our reaction to that was bringing in Ian Holloway, um, and, and it got us promotion. It got got us up the league. How 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 was he when he joined? You know, he's obviously a, known as a sort of a bubbly, enthusiastic character, if, if a bit of an oddball. How did the lads take to him? Oh, he's mad as a hatter, Ollie. Yeah, he's um, he, he he's exactly what you see is what you get. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, he says how he how it is and. Somebody who on the on the four I mean the first day I think Curtis took over he played was it Blackburn at home yeah um, Blackburn at home I think he beat them four nil or four one or what whatever the score yeah, was Ipswich um, was it Ipswich five yeah. Blackburn I think yeah was, no was but the, the, the sorry yeah it was the morning he the morning he got announced so and turned up ourselves which was the Blackburn game I'm sure. And he um, he came into the change room afterwards. Curtis Fleming had taken it, and all the lads knew that Ollie had taken uh, had become manager, but we weren't expecting to see him during the game. And but he got so excited after watching the game against Blackburn, he said he had to come down. And the first we seen him was when he came sprinting into the into the change room, screaming "Eagles, Eagles!" <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> He, he was rubbing his hands together, screaming that he thought Dougie was off his head to leave such a good team behind, and um, couldn't believe his luck that he's taken over such a good group. And he was just looking at bags of enthusiasm and um, and loved the game. And he just he was just completely, like I said, mad as a hatter. But what you see is what you get, and a really knowledgeable football football guy, but um, completely different to what Dougie was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll we'll invite you back to talk about current Palace. So we'll just sort of round off. I don't like to. End, I want to end on this, so we'll have a bit. Of a, we'll try and end on a positive in a bit. But obviously, this was that was a season that you started your 
what I call an injury nightmare, really, with the groin injury. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that sort of came about and, and how it affected you? Yeah, I mean, it was um, through, the, through the year before the promotion season, um, we were light on numbers as we, we kind of always used to be around the, around them times. And I was struggling with, with a groin issue um, and was receiving regular injections in my pelvis to kind of just stay out on the pitch. Um, at the time, we didn't have anybody, any other centre-halves, and we had a lot of injuries around the squad, and I kind of felt as captain that I should be really playing, and I was eating um, anti-inflammatories like sweets and not really training and just trying to get through games to stay on the pitch. And um, at pre-season, I went to get an injection just before the promotion year and had one injection, and two days later, I tried to get out of bed and couldn't move, and what had happened was the, the injection that I was given in my pubic bone had kind of basically exploded. I had a, a big kind of so, some sort of infection or something. So I had swelling from kind of my chest down to down to my quads. And it was just a real, real bad, bad injury that doc, um, I'm taking my scan to doctors and they're all kind of scratching their head. They didn't really know how to explain it. it was something that he'd never seen before and it was just a really kind of frustrating time and a time where at the, at the time it was it was so severe that I feared that I would never be able to kick a football with my kids let alone play football again so it was um it was a really scary time for me definitely obviously it was a it was a sort of a, a big blow to the team as well to lose that character but obviously you retained retained the club cap, captaincy throughout I think pretty much um, um so were you still yeah, around on was, match days and stuff like that yeah, around the match days and um, traveling with the with the team and kind of initially when initially when it happened, I um I, I was kind of bedridden, I couldn't move, and um like I said, it was, it was it was so severe that I was struggling to struggling to get up the stairs. I couldn't couldn't really do a thing. So initially, it was it was just lying lying about in bed, hoping and praying that that some that I would heal because all the doctors couldn't really give me answers. So. Well, yeah, I, I was. I would still go to games where I could, and still go and support the lads, and still be in and around the training ground. And I think everybody kind of seen that I was giving it everything to get back. I was trying everything to get back. I was traveling all over Europe looking for answers and trying to find a solution to get me back out there. But uh, it was just a really frustrating time personally, and to retain the, the captaincy um, was was great. But at that time, I, I had more pressing issues, and that was to get myself back right and fit you know at the time but I'd still try and do as much as I could around the club and kind of help the lads where I could and, and do what I bits and pieces for the boys and like organise things and um, try and take as much sort of pressure off them as I could and do do what you can, you can do and, but there wasn't an awful lot of good because what I was paid to do was play football and that was the frustrating thing for me yeah I can imagine so well, obviously, you you did get back and play a few games. Went out on loan a little bit as well, um, which was good to see. But I, t- I take it the you know by that point, it was it other injuries that, that sort of caused you to to end up retiring, or was it that still that same problem? No, well, it was um, what what had happened. I I think I was out for a, a total of eighteen months, and um, I eventually made made my first appearance against Wigan away in the FA Cup. I think it was and. I mean that was just a that was a fantastic day for me because although we lost the game just to after all the hard work just to get back there and play 
Um, I went on a few few loans then afterwards, and um, that that kind of injury had settled down. But I was still feeling the effects of it, um, struggling to recover after games, little niggles and knocks and stuff. But eventually that came around, and when I went to Bolton, started to play some decent football and felt physically really fit. Um, so I, I was feeling positive, and then I smashed my ankle when I was at Bolton, and smashed my ankle again in pre-season, and then done my knee after 10 minutes uh, uh, on a Preston loan. So um, that was kind of, was my knee that, that forced me to retire in the end. And again, I could go on for hours about the trouble I've had with that. Just completely, um, completely frustrating injury that, that doctors and stuff. I mean, I went to see the see the, the surgeon um, and the surgeon is one of the most renowned surgeons in the world. And he's, he's scratching his head at the complications I've had and, actually asked me was when he seen the injury history that the lads called me lucky so that's how kind of <laughs> bad it's been for me and frustrating so it's um that was what forced me to retire in the end and obviously good good when when you hear a hear a, a surgeon and especially one renowned surgeon telling you that he's advising you to retire from football um and there's nothing really more he can do for you but Okay, I've been lucky enough to have a great career. I can look back and say every day, every day I woke up, I went and gave a hundred percent, and I don't think anyone can argue with that. And um, that's that I couldn't have done that any more um, throughout my time. I've no regrets from that side of it. So um, okay, on to the next chapter. Absolutely. Well, um, sorry, I, I remember a few years back um, after Player of the Year being in the White Horse Pub and you singing Elvis. So any plans oh, yeah, to have a yeah. singing career? You've got you're, you're better than Neil Bands, that's point. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, hasn't sang, has he? I can't imagine Bands singing, singing any uh, singing much to be fair. But no, looking at X Factor nowadays, I'm sure I have a chance in the, in the music industry. I've never actually thought about. But um, I'd have to have a few beers first, and then I'm I'm all right. But no, no, no plans as of yet. But if there's anybody listening to the show and they think I have got a chance, I'm I'm open to all ideas at the moment. So, <laughs> uh, you had another question about uh, about Paddy's last pro goal. Uh, oh yeah, your your goal against um, Leighton Orient for Sheffield United. Um, I was watching it earlier in the research, and it looks like it meant an awful lot for you. And obviously, hearing about your injuries and stuff now, it's nice. But that was a bit of a mental game, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was um it was it was a mad game to be fair. We 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 battered them um all first half and then I think it was a goalkeeping mistake we went went um went one nil down and then battered them the whole second half and couldn't really make that breakthrough and then the ball's dropped to me and I smashed it in and um I mean it was it was a special moment after after being having so many injuries and working hard just to get get back and score score a league goal was fantastic and then I think it was um, was it McNulty scored the scored yeah. what I thought was the winner in injury time, um, and then we went and conceded a corner and somebody switched off and didn't mark that man and they ended up scoring the equaliser in the in the 95th minute I think so it was um, a bit of a bit of sweet day for me but um, that's football like I said earlier on you never can you can never get too carried away in this game because you'll always get a kick where the sun don't shine if you do absolutely well last last thing for you before we let you go uh you mentioned the future so aside from the singing career uh i'll take it obviously taking your coaching badges at the moment is that where you want to go yeah well i've, I've completed my coaching badges um myself peter ramage danny gabadon 
we all and me like Jednet came across to do our B license in Ireland in Ireland with us. So we all we all kind of set upon the journey of, of becoming coaches um probably four years ago and we just meet myself, Peter Ramage and Danny Gabadon recently passed our A license. So we're fully qualified coaches and yeah, it's something definitely I, I, I want to get into and it, I've obviously got a love for the game and feel that I, I have a lot to give back to the game as well and in a coaching capacity. So at the moment coaching is definitely something what I want to do and it's just going to wane up different opportunities and I'm waiting for that right opportunity to see see when that comes up then, then I'll go for it definitely Absolutely, well I hope we see you back in the game soon and hopefully one day back at Palace as well uh, Yeah, that'd be great that'd be great lads Cheers buddy, thank you so much for your time mate and No problem lads, all the best Cheers, pal. Nice one Cheers, Cheers, Cheers fellas, take care, good luck, bye bye It's the 90th minute, all your mates around You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.